Mac Power Users, episode 599, A Man of the People with Dr. Drang. Hello, everyone. This is David Sparks, joined by my friend and yours, Mr. Stephen Hackett. How are you today, Stephen? I'm good, David. How are you? I am excellent, but I feel like today I really need to bring my A-game because we have back on the show after like five years, Dr. Drang. Welcome to the show, Dr. Drang. Hey, how you doing? Good. I didn't realize how long it's been since you've been on the show, and I'm really happy that you uh, graced us with your presence today. Um, for those of you who don't know uh, Drang, he can be found over at leancrew.com. That's from memory. Did I get it right? That is correct. Yeah. And he uh, writes about automation, uh, technology in general, and um, one of my favorite internet curmudgeons, honestly. Yeah. And I don't write nearly as much as I used to, but yeah, we'll see how things go in the future. Yeah. Well, I've said it before, but I love it when you like, because Dr. Drang, uh, he has a secret identity because he he's a professional out in the world. And unlike me, he actually wants to like keep some privacy. I just gave up on that a long time ago, Drang. But but the um, but he is a, uh, a very smart guy. So like when his lawnmower breaks, we'll get a very long post explaining why. And uh, I like that. Yes. After I'm done swearing. Uh, yeah for a couple of days <laughs> yeah. gotta let it cool down a little bit don't ever be around my house when it's time to put the christmas lights out oh really is that a big deal what's the what's wrong with the christmas lights it's just christmas lights are the worst uh i mean i will say that led lights have gotten have are much better than what they used to be but every yes, year are. you know you put them away they're all fine you take them out you put them and they're fine. You test them because, of course, you're not you're not an idiot to just go put them right up in the tree. No, you test them. You put them up, and then yeah, they start going out. Um, and which one? Oh, it's the one in the middle. So we're you know, it's terrible. A long time ago, I decided I'm not going to do any Christmas decorations that require me to go above the eaves of the first level of my house. And now my relationship with Christmas lights is much better. I'll just say that. Yeah, well, I've never done that. I've always used like a pole, an extendable pole to, to put things up higher. But my children have learned how to swear from watching dad put Christmas lights up. Oh, boy. Increase their vocabulary. That's a whole rabbit hole, man. That is a whole <laughs> rabbit hole. So let, let's just let's just leave that one. Time to move on? Yeah, I think so. But uh, we got a lot to talk to Drang about today. He's he's uh, He's got thoughts and um, on his Apple tech. But before we do... Just a couple things. Um, the uh, First of all, on behalf of Stephen, I'm going to say it for you, Stephen. Thank you, everyone, for buying Stephen's amazing calendars. And, uh, man, what a run you had with that thing. It's It's been a totally wild month when the campaign was was running. And so now it's production time, you know, finishing up some photos, fine-tuning some stuff. And uh, I'll be sure to keep backers updated. So you'll get an email through Kickstarter, and I'll keep everybody posted. Uh, also, I am speaking. I'm getting out of my uh, COVID house and going to Florida at the end of September. There's a great uh, event for attorneys called Mac Track Legal. It's a focus on using Apple technology in the practice of law. It's run um, by a good friend of mine and uh, Victor, who has been putting this on for several years. And of course, he wasn't able to the last few years because of of all the things that have happened. But he's 
winding it up again. And Daisy and I are heading to Florida for a few days at the end of September. So if you're interested, we'll put a link in the show notes. Uh, they're following all the CDC guidelines. Um, I think everybody there is going to be vaccinated and masked up. So I think it, it, I think they're doing it as safely as you can. And I think it's going to be a great place to learn a lot about using your Mac and your Apple tech to, uh, to practice law. So if you're interested, check that out. Real quick, before we move on from that, I can't help but yeah. notice that it's at Disney. How do you feel about yes, going to the, the other Disney? Well, um, first of all, while Disneyland is clearly objectively the superior Disney, um, it's still Disney, right? And uh, in fact, my wife was very instrumental in me speaking at this gig because I said, well, I don't know, should I go? And she's like, wait, it's a Disney World? You bet we're going. (laughs) So (laughs) that's why we're going. But the uh, yeah, I'm okay with it. I, I don't dislike Disney World. I just realized that Disneyland is far superior. Yeah, I think y'all could do a, a fun video or a couple of videos if you get time about comparing the two. I think that'd be interesting. Yeah, I mean, I'll tell you just the real short version. Disney World is great, and I understand why so many people love it. But to me, the thing that makes Disneyland so special is the intimacy of it. You know, I mean, it was built with constraints, and so often constraints make things better. Whereas Disney World, they've got like more real estate than the size of the state of Rhode Island, and there are no constraints. And that that can be bad, you know. Uh, no constraints is what gets you the Star Wars prequels. That's what I'm going to say. <laughs> <laughs> I was telling Drang, he's got to get out here to California. We we got to get him to the to the true Disney. I've been to the true Disney, and it's fine. Okay. It's, it's, it's fine. It's just, you know... You're you you two you you and Daisy are going to be so tired walking around Disney World. I know we're not. You, we're pros. We are pros. <laughs> Honestly, we're in constant yeah, you're training. Pros. That's like walking around your house, walking around Disneyland, Disney World. There's there's some exercise there. Uh, well, that's one of the great things about this <laughs> conference is that it's at the Yacht Club, which is literally oh, yeah. the back door. It's the back door of of Epcot and my favorite part of Disney world is the world showcase. So literally we can walk from our hotel room and be, and I can be drinking around the world in like 30 minutes. So that's good. Right. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Anyway, enough of that. It's a good conference. If you're interested in the law and the Mac, I would recommend checking it out. And there's a lot of great people going to be there. I think Brett Bernie is going to be there. The recent guest on Mac power users. I'm not sure if he's signed up yet or not, but anyway, Drang, uh, thank you for coming back. It's good to be here in the Stephen era. Yes, it is. That, that, that's true. It's your first visit in the Stephen era. And um, the the because it's been so long, and I've been following your blog, I know you've been switching your gear up. So let's just kind of start with the basics. I mean, what are you driving these days? Okay. Well, uh, let's go one, two, three. I okay. have one iPhone. It is, uh, it's uh, 10S. I'm, I have sort of, fallen into the habit of uh three year the three year update program not that it's a program but that's what i do uh you know my iphone his it's like a comfortable pair of shoes i don't think about what i do i don't have anything exciting to say about what i do with the iphone it's the same stuff i've been doing for a long time uh pretty much um and other than using it as a camera for Zoom calls this past year, which is a new thing. How are you doing that? That's with Camo. Yeah. That, Camo is uh, an amazing uh, app. App yeah. slash subscription. And what, what really makes it nice 
is, you know, I put it, I put it in a glyph that's sort of clamped up above my, uh, above the screen of my, uh, foreshadowing my iMac and, yeah. um, use that as a camera. And what's nice about it is, you know, my iMac is set back. And when I use the internal camera for zoom, it sort of shows the whole room and I'm sort of this tiny head in the, in the middle of it. Um, with camo, you get to zoom in a little bit and, and I make my head bigger and I fill up more of the room and I show less of the room, especially when there's, yeah. which is nice when there's clutter in the room. So it's C-A-M-O. It's a little third-party utility and you're right. It's a subscription with an app. So you buy it and then you got to pay a subscription. In fact, I just got my renewal notice and it was a no-brainer because the camera in your iPhone, no surprise, is about a thousand times better. Even in your ancient iPhone 10s, the camera is better than the, uh, the, the camera in your Mac. So, uh, you know, there are a lot of people put like their SLR and they connect it and there's ways to do that too. We've talked about on the show, but if you want to kind of go with your existing gear, you, you get this app and it gives you not only the ability to use your iPhone camera as the input camera for your Mac, which is great for zoom calls and things like that, but it also gives you a remarkable amount of control over the the camera function itself. Like you can change, you know, the focus and the the balance, and it, it it's 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 a really a nice toolkit for uh, that camera. Yeah, and, and you know, although, and I fiddled a little bit with things like white balance and other stuff like that. The the main thing really is the cropping is, is the zoom so, yeah. is so that you can really frame yourself better in the shot. And then of course the other thing is that uh you know you you can put it more or less anywhere and and get a shot that you want so that you're not uh your camera's not looking up your nostrils which is often the case when when i see people on on their laptops uh so it it frames you well it crops well it's it's just nice yeah and the other thing you can use that for like if you want to set up a camera at your desk, let's say you're you're okay with the built-in camera at your Mac. You've got the fancy new iMac, and it's got that better camera. But you can also use camo to like set your iPhone in a tripod and point it down. Like if you want to show people something you're doing on your desk or whatever, um, it's it's useful for that. Well, as well, it's forty dollars a year. I know because I just repaid. Um, but the um, uh, I use it quite a bit too. Good to know. So that's so that's what so this fall will be an expensive fall um, because yeah. I'll be buying a new iPhone. Now, are you a, are you like a Max guy? Do you go like the big one or? I am not a Max guy. This one's big enough in my pocket, and I have certainly you know as the iPhone as the standard iPhone has gotten bigger, I've gotten used to it, and so you know maybe it would be okay if I had a Max, but I just haven't I haven't made that jump yet. Part of it is just because, uh, although I use my iPhone a lot, I don't feel the need for the extra screen real estate, particularly. Do you do a lot of reading on your phone? I do a lot of reading, but it's reading of ephemeral stuff. I don't do, you know, like book reading on my phone. I have another device for that, which we will get to. It's the regular size phone is just fine. I don't think I would feel good about going back to a mini. I think that would feel excessively small uh nowadays after i've gotten used to the larger ones but i i'm not gonna go i'm just i'm gonna stay right in the middle i'm plain vanilla i'm a man of the people 
There you go. <laughs> well, I don't know. You know, sometimes ladies and gentlemen of a certain age like a bigger screen so they can make the words slightly larger. But sounds like that's not a problem for you. There is no question. There is no question that I have uh, <laughs> that I, I have the uh, the text size setting uh, set to a thing that makes my my kids laugh. Yeah. <laughs> but it's it's okay it works it's fine i remember when i was a young attorney i had my my font set at the smallest size i mean like the smallest size you could make it and then i'd go in the offices of the older attorneys and look at their screens and i would just think what a fool i mean come on man <laughs> wasting all that screen real estate <laughs> i'm not gonna say anything yeah, about now you know. i'm not gonna say anything more than that <laughs> yeah so on the on this uh on this three-year cycle that you're doing uh, between upgrades, yeah. which is, I think, where a lot of people are, uh, how's the the battery life after three years? Well, I, I am surprised at how well it it hung on. So the the um, the phone I had before this one was the six S, which was one of the phones that got a uh, a free battery replacement. Yeah. For one reason or another, I don't remember. Anyway, so like a year after I had it, I got the new battery. And so it, I'm pretty sure that it lasted, that second battery lasted me out years uh, two and three of that one. Although it was getting dicey at the end. So far, I am not having much trouble uh, with this iPhone. I am very impressed with how the battery is being handled. I haven't checked to see what its status is. But generally, at the end of the day, I'm getting down low, uh, and, and it's not uncommon for me to go into battery saving mode or whatever the hell they call it when when you hit twenty percent. But um, but generally speaking, I make it through the whole day without having to recharge. Uh, the the exceptions are when I'm traveling, and of course, over the last year, I haven't done that much traveling. But I, I did last week, and I you know I had to have my anchor battery with me, and I was. You know, when you're spending more time waiting around for airplanes, one of the things you do is pull out your iPhone and, and play with it. So, um, so I, I was running the battery down uh, during the travel days, but that was normal. Even back when it was new, I would usually have to top it off a little bit at some point during the day, uh, during a travel day. So it's it's really working out uh, quite well, and I'm surprised and and pleased at how well it's doing. Uh, after you know nearly three years all right you said you have three items what's next so so then that's so that so my next one is so that's the one now my two i have two ipads i have the 2016 9.7 inch ipad pro uh which i bought late that year 2016 and that was my um that's my first ipad that's the ipad that i that was my dipping my toe into the water of ipads after not thinking much of iPad for its first five, six years of, of life. I should say that thinking that it's not right for me is, is what I thought during those years. Um, yeah. It was fun. It was my, my wife had one from, I think the iPad two, and it is the perfect, is and remains the perfect computer for her. It was, I did not strike me as being the perfect computer for me. But uh, a couple of things were going on in 2016. One of them was that my 2010 MacBook Air was getting long in the tooth, and and Apple was not making a good MacBook Air. Well, it wasn't making the MacBook Air that I wanted, which was one with Retina. Mm-hmm. 
Sure. Uh, and I was sort of, so I kind of, okay, I'll, I'll, instead of getting, getting a new MacBook Air that I don't really want because it isn't configured the way I, that I want it, I'll try this. And there were things going on in iOS at the time. And I think it was still called iOS back though, back, back then that were making the iPads multitasking a little better. And so I thought, well, let me give this a try. And so that's, that was that. And, and, uh, you know, for a short period of time, about a year later, it became my travel computer. Uh, I stopped using the, the MacBook air. I had given it uh, off to my son as a stopgap after one of his computers died. And I just sort of gave it to him. So it became my travel computer uh, for a while. And then in uh, 2019, very early 2019, I bought the 2018 iPad Pro, and I and I went ahead and got the 12.9 or whatever the size is. The lunch trade edition. Yeah, exactly. Because I was, although by that time Apple had come out with a MacBook Air with uh, uh, Retina display, it still had the keyboard that everyone hated. I mean, it was, you know, the 25th model uh, revision of that keyboard, (laughs) but, um, and, and, but I'm sure it was absolutely fine because that's why you have 25 revisions in three years is because your, your keyboard is perfectly fine. So I I was a little bit leery of, of getting it. And I was also starting to wonder whether Apple was ever going to make uh, a laptop for me ever again. And so I start I, I started thinking, well, I maybe I should just go all in on this iPad thing. And so the iPad became my main computer for certainly when I was traveling. It was my only computer when I was traveling. And also quite often I would use it around the house just because well, partly because I you know, I had an iMac, uh, this is foreshadowing again, I have an iMac at home, but you know, I have to go to the desk, whereas the iPad I could use anywhere. And the other thing was, as I was getting less and less confident in Apple's dedication to the Mac, I started thinking that I really need to learn how to use this properly and learn how to do all the things that I have to do for not just entertaining myself, but also for work on my iPad. And so I used my iPad an awful lot more than I probably would have normally just because I was teaching myself how to use shortcuts and how to do, you know, a variety of things on it and how to do all the, whatever multitasking is available on the iPad. I was learning how to use it as efficiently as I could so that I could get my work done. And we're going to go deep on that experience for you, you know, what worked and what didn't and, and how that story ends for you. Uh, But just for now, um, having the two iPads, which one do you use the most? Which one would you recommend to people in terms of just the sizes? I think it depends very much on how you're going to use it. If you're using it as a as a replacement for a laptop, go for the 12.9. If you have a laptop and it's something that you want to use to read or you want to use to maybe watch a movie when you're on a plane or, or when you're lying in bed or just... Using it for one of one of the things, and I, and I say this as a person who is very much 
Mac focused rather than iPad focused, despite those years when I was trying to use the iPad all by itself. The canard that the iPad is only for consumption isn't, it, it is wrong. You do use it for work. But the main thing is a lot of work is consumption. Yeah. I don't know about you, but I do a hell of a lot of reading uh, for work. And, and I think most people do. Most people who are uh, you know, so-called knowledge workers, we do a lot of reading and the iPad is just great for that. I will say, though, the smaller iPad is probably the one to get. Now, I, the 9.7, which is what I still have, uh, I, I do think the what is the the current one is the 11. Is that the small one? Yeah. I think that would certainly be better and, you know, still small enough to be easy to hold. And I mean, not that the 12.9 is really a burden to hold. It isn't. I mean, it's the size of a notebook, really. It's, you know, eight and a half and by lighter no, notebook. And it is pretty light, but it just feels when you have both and you're going to go sit out on the patio to read, you, t- you take the smaller one. Yeah. And when you're t- packing your backpack to go on a trip, you need to have a real reason to, I need to have a real reason to put the 12.9 in instead of the 9.7. I, I much prefer the 9.7 for that. This episode of the Mac Power Users is brought to you by Text Expander from Smile. Go to textexpander.com slash podcast and get 20% off and type more with less effort. Text Expander removes the repetition out of your work so you can focus on what matters most. With Text Expander, you can say goodbye to repetitive text entry, spelling and message errors, and trying to remember the right thing to say. When you use Text Expander, you can say the right thing in just a few keystrokes. It's better than copy and paste. It's better than scripts and templates. Text Expander snippets allow you to maximize your time by getting rid of the repetitive things you type while still customizing and personalizing your messages. And best of all, it can be used on any platform, in any app, anywhere you type. If you like those home screen posts I do at maxsparky.com, those all start with a text expander snippet. I send all the questions out to people who are going to do those interviews via text expander. On the flip side, I'm a legal business. When I need to do research and type in a citation to a specific case or casebook, I've got all that saved as text expander snippets too. So I don't have to spend any time fiddling with my keyboard. I just type a few keystrokes and everything is done for me. I just use this app so much. I really am a believer. And Text Expander was the original sponsor of Mac Power Users. They reached out to us and said, we like what you guys are doing. We want to sponsor you, and we will always appreciate that. Either way, you can get 20% off. Just go to textexpander.com slash podcast to download it. Once again, that's textexpander.com slash podcast. Let them know you heard about it at the Mac Power Users. And check out Text Expander today. All right, so we've been bearing the lead. Dr. Drang, tell us about your Macs. Well, I have three Macintoshes now. Um, well, three. I thought so, you had two. Okay, now I want to hear. No, I have three. One, two, three. That's that's right. that's our theme here. So I have It's a magic number. So, so I <laughs> Yes, it is. Um so I have a 2012 iMac. And uh, that I've had, you know, since 2012, late 2012. That the, that's the Retina 5K? Isn't that one of the first ones? Or that is mis- the first Retina 5K is the one. Yeah. It's the first one that's thin. 
Yeah. It has no uh, super drive in it. It went aluminum and it's got the bulge in the back. Yeah. yeah thin with air that, quotes, but yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> it's, it's so many inches thin, uh, as Bill <laughs> Schiller would say. Um, so, uh, so I have that. I have a 2017 iMac, which is the one I'm talking into right now. Um, and I have the M1 MacBook Air, which I bought just a few months ago. Okay. And it is like the 2010 uh, MacBook Air, which was the first good MacBook Air. Yeah. Um, it, is, it is an amazing device. I feel about it the same way I felt about that Air. Um, <clears throat> what was remarkable about that Air, of course, was you know, super light. It was super thin, and it booted up so quickly not that I ever really turn my computers off. I usually just put them in sleep mode, but still it came on so quickly. And the M1 Air is just as amazing to me. And so I use that more than I use. I mean, it depends on what I'm doing. Sometimes I will walk over to the 2017 iMac uh, and use it just because I, I want the screen real estate. But most of the time when I'm doing something, it only takes a couple of windows, uh, maybe two, three apps. Yeah, then I'm usually on the air. If Apple releases an Apple Silicon big iMac, are you in for that? I will be in on it. Yeah, I, I keep waiting for that uh, for the darn 2012 to die. On yeah. me. it's uh, it's remarkable how long it's lasted. It was it was my home iMac uh, up until about this time last year when I realized. Uh, Hey, dummy, you're working at home all the time. Why not have your more recent computer at home and yeah. your old computer at the office, back at the office where you never work? And so I moved the two of them and um, I started worrying about it because, oh no, where I, uh, one of the boxes is gone. I have one of the boxes, but I don't have the other one. I can't remember which one it was, uh, which box I had, I had disposed of. Didn't matter. They are exactly the same. It's not just that they fit in that trapezoidal box. All of the uh, all of the styrofoam fit yeah. perfectly on both of them. There was <laughs> there's absolutely no and and that was true all the way up until uh, you know just months ago. Mm -hmm. Frankly, well, in fact, no, no. The 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 27 inch uh, iMac that you would buy now if you needed to buy, absolutely needed to buy a 27 inch iMac now, which I would not recommend. I'm sure if it's th th exactly the same. I have a, I have a theory on that. I, I feel like in 2012, when uh, Tim Cook was buying the styrofoam for the packing, <laughs> he, he accidentally put an extra zero on there the order form. <laughs> and they're like, Oh man, we got like eight years of this stuff. And they're like, well, I guess we're not changing the design. Then <laughs> it's just how it's going to be forever. I have to, you know, I also had another bit of insight here. We have, we've had eras of Mac power users, you know, and one of the eras was the era where every guest came on the show and without us asking, told his or her story about a failed keyboard on an Apple laptop. That went, that went on for like four years. It seemed mm -hmm. like every, yeah. every guest, you know, yep. the new era is every guest comes on and talks about how the M1 has like 
blown their mind. <laughs> yep. And that, you know, that's a better era for Apple, I have to say, but it, it is funny, man. I'm a man of the people. I, 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 I will, I never had a bad Mac laptop because I had not bought a Mac laptop uh, since 2010. That's how I avoided it. You avoided a, a lot of pain. Yeah. Yeah. And this is the interesting thing for me as a reader of your of your excellent blog is that for several years we were getting a lot of posts about how you were solving tricky problems of getting work done on your iPad with interesting, you know, combinations of apps and shortcuts and automation. And then it seems like in the last two or three <laughs> months, things gone. have changed. <laughs> yeah. So what's going on? What's going on, Doctor? Yeah. So so I have not written a shortcut. In I don't know how long, I have tweaked a couple of them uh, just because I realized that you know my work had changed and I needed to do a little a little something differently. But no, I have I have done no automation on my. Uh, I've been using automation. I have not built any automation on iOS or iPad OS since February when I when this thing arrived and. It was delightful. Those first, that first month or so, it's it's still delightful. But in particular, that first month or so that I was using uh, the M1 Air, the return to the Mac was it felt so comfortable and it felt so right. And I learned some things that I had done about, uh, in particular, about how I made blog posts and how I built build the site when I add new when I add a new post that I, I sort of took a lot of the ideas that I had uh, generated over the years when I was working on an iPad and I had, I was, I had been doing all of my blog writing in drafts and then uh, posting them directly, more or less directly from drafts by running a, an action that called a shortcut that went off to the server and did this and did that and uploaded and ran some, ran some code on the server and blah, blah, and everything. And it was, and it worked well. Um, and I, uh, but when I came back, I said, well, okay, I need to go back. Let me go back to what was I doing in BB edit in the old days? Oh, I have, and I still have, you know, all my old macros and things like that for, for BB edit. But I, you know, I, I went in and tweaked them and reorganized them. Uh, they were, they were mostly good, but I, there were some things that I had learned from the iPad years that I thought, oh, those, I want to make that sort of convenience bring that convenience to the Mac as well. And so now uh, I haven't written a blog post on an iPad in months. Not that I write that many anyway, but they're all done. They're all done on the, on the air and it's wonderful. And I, I preview them on the air. That was one thing about the iPad. I was never really, I never really worked out a good way to preview my posts. Uh, whereas I had, I had had that on the Mac back in the old days and I, I fixed that up. And I changed some other things, and I have uh, essentially a palette in Keyboard Maestro that has a series of commands that just sort of, you know just keep that palette up in the upper right corner of the screen. And when I'm writing a blog post, I can do all sorts of things from there or or from from the keyboard as well. But some things I don't do often enough to remember the keyboard shortcut for, so I go over to the palette and do it and it I publish from there I preview from there I bring in uh, uh, images from there I do my linking all that stuff it it all goes very smoothly 
And it's so nice to be able to work, to program in an environment where I have all of these choices that, that you just don't, you know, instead of being limited to shortcuts or in drafts, you know, luckily drafts has a lot of built-in capability, a tremendous amount of built-in capability. But in, if I'm working in VB edit, I've got VB edits, Apple script library, and I've got automator if I need to, and I've got keyboard maestro if I need that. And I've got Python and Perl and the shell, whatever I need to do and whatever seems the most appropriate language to use I get to use them because use it because I can mix and match all sorts of things on the Mac, which I could not do uh, back on the iPad. We joked about the the bad keyboards and how you uh, were able to skip a, a generation of pain, but it sounds like uh, what you're talking about is is it's maybe more on the software side that drew you back to the Mac. Uh, do you think that's accurate? It certainly was the key. It was the hardware that was keeping me away those years first retina. And then as, as the stories of keyboard pain came out, it was that, uh, those were, those were keeping me away. I always, I longed for the ability to, and I still worked on my Mac. Um, I'll tell you what happened in November was, it was a very busy month for me at work. I don't think I posted a single, there was no blog post at all in November. I think that's the first month I've gone since starting the blog back in whenever I started at 2005 or something like that, that I have, uh, that I've actually gone a full calendar month without posting. And it was because I was very busy at work and, uh, the, uh, the weekend Thanksgiving weekend, I was sitting around sort of going over thinking about what I was going to be doing in December, but also, uh, looking back on what had happened in, uh, in November. And I realized that I had not written any of my reports or done any of my analyses while working on the iPad during that month. And it was because, and it was not, it wasn't planned. It was just me doing this. It was because it was so much slower to work on the iPad. It was, well, it was slow enough that when I, when it was crunch time and I needed to get several things out one after the other, after another, after another, that, I needed to work on the iPad, uh, on the iMac, and that's what I worked on. And part of that is certainly is the screen, is the screen size. There's just no question, even now that that I have an Air, I will often move. I move over to the iMac when when I need to do certain things, just because the the greater screen real estate is a big deal. But the other parts were multitasking is so much easier on a Mac. Uh, multitasking on an iPad is extraordinarily limited. It's a, it's, I know a lot of people can get by running two apps at a time. I cannot, I would, and that switch I can, I can see in split screen. I see two apps, but I always want, okay, now I'm, I'm looking at my text editor and I'm looking at a, at a browser. Oh, well now I need to switch from the browser so that I can look at a PDF. Oh, now I need to go over to like prompt so I can do a command line thing. Uh, whatever it was, I had to keep switching one of the two uh halves of the screen and i'm guessing i guess that's better now as we're getting into the the new ipad os but it's not like it's not like command tab i mean it's just it's just not as as fast 
as as what you can even just moving a mouse around to to click on a window and bring it forward it it is just so much smoother to do the kind of multitasking that I do on a Mac than it is on iPad and I had learned lots of relatively efficient ways to do things on the iPad at least I thought they were but when it came right down to it the Mac is, was still more efficient and I just I, I realized that uh, that you know, at the end of November, I'm going to be getting one of these M1 Macs, and I and so then it was just a matter of me waiting for the mm-hmm. year to go out so that I could put it onto this, you know, include it as a part of the budget for this year instead of the budget for last year. Yeah, something that that strikes me hearing you talk about this and other people who have gone through similar things is I think it's easy to hear that and think, oh gosh, like the iPad is is worse than the Mac because it can't do these things. Uh, it may be not as good of a fit for what you or I want to do out of it, but I think they are different tools for different things. And with that in mind, like where does the iPad fit in? You mentioned reading and and sort of uh, gathering information, but are there still times where you reach for that iPad for any any type of work? Yeah, absolutely. So wh- when I'm working on the Air uh, and I don't have a 27-inch screen in front of me, I will often have the uh, the larger iPad next to me. And while I'm, if I'm doing some programming uh, for a job, I will have documentation up on the, on the iPad next to me, or I'll have a PDF of a drawing of a building or a machine that I'm studying uh, up on the iPad while I'm doing programming on the, on, on the, uh, on the uh, air. So it it works out very well for that. I, I will say I don't do a lot of creation of content on the iPad anymore. It's just it's for me it's just faster to do it the other way, uh, and it's largely because of what I do. What I do uh, a lot of what I do is is in fact programming uh, to help me do my job, and that's just better on the Mac. More tools. Better the, the the multi-windowing arrangement is better because I often have more than one program open at a time, and I need to and I want to be able to see both of them. And while I'm also looking at something else and maybe a third thing, and it's the multi-windowing system. And I know a lot of people complain about windowing on the Mac, and oh, it's so hard because you know it's it's too much freedom. I I like the constraints of the of the iPad. Um, you know, there are certainly times, and I, and I have keyboard maestro macros set up to move uh, the terminal and BB edit into certain locations so that I can focus in a particular way. And that's very comfortable. But a lot of times, uh, you know, it's just nice to have the ability to have five, six windows open at the same time. All of them arranged, and then yes, I arrange them by hand. It's it's not really that much of a burden. Um, I, I arrange them by hand so that I can see all of them, or I can see the important parts of them all at once, or I can easily move between them if I need to bring one uh, closer to the front or whatever. So it, it's just for me the kind of work that I do. The Mac is better, and really always has been, and and I probably wouldn't have gone as far into the iPad as I had except. I just felt 
that Apple was abandoning the Mac and I needed to be prepared for that. I also think there's like a hardware element to this. The, um, the iPad was clearly superior to the Mac with battery life. Um, oh, yeah. you know, with the screen technology, there were several things about, and it like, they still are superior in the sense that you've got a built in cellular radio. So there's a lot of stuff about the iPad that's just better than the Mac. And I think there, for a lot of people, they're like, well, I, I would like a device that was, has an all day battery, you know, and, and if I can get my work done on that and I don't have to have a Mac that, you know, the battery dies after three hours, then, then I, then yeah. I can make those compromises. And by releasing the M1, Apple suddenly even the playing field for the Mac with those other devices. Yeah, the, the efficiency of this machine probably is, uh, and I, 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 I should have mentioned that earlier on, uh, it, it is probably the thing that makes it most magical. I never plug that thing in during the day. It's plugged in at night, uh, but when I'm working on it, I, I go, and, and I just, all day. I have never had to plug it in during the day. And I put easily 12 hour days in on that computer. Now it's not like it's, it's not rendering animations or, or creating films or things like that. It's doing the kind of stuff that I do, which is programming, running, running numerical stuff and, and some, uh, some editing of photos or annotating of photos. So there's a little bit of graphics stuff, but it's all static graphics. So, you know, it's, it's not going to last all day for a lot of people, but it lasts all day for me. And I think it would last all day for an awful lot of people. And that is the ability to have it wherever I feel like, like, out on my back patio, uh, for example, if I'm not working, if I'm not at work, um, it's just, it's fantastic. And that, that was a great thing about the iPad is that you could set it up anywhere and it lasted for a very long time. The air lasts longer than my iPad does now, uh, much longer. And it is, it is like the perfect machine. If I could somehow magically have it, have a, a larger screen occasionally, <laughs> you know, just have it fold out into a 27 inch screen just a few times a day that I'd probably use it all the time. And I think that, you know, I, I want to be clear about this because I know people listening can, you know, honestly get upset sometimes when we get into this topic, but the iPad is a great device. I, I just spent two hours reviewing a 70 page lease agreement before we recorded today on the iPad, you know, I was yep. doing real work with the iPad, but, but the automation for me, for you, it's the programming. For me, it's the automation, honestly, that I can, you know, it's just like with, with the automating on the Mac, I feel like I've got a professional tool belt and sometimes automating on the iPad. I feel like I've got one of those tinker toy tool belts, you know, you get at the toy store, you know, shortcuts is getting better. Don't get me wrong, but I mean, I can do so much more with Apple script and keyboard maestro, you know? Yeah. The, the, uh, when, when there's a shortcut action that does what you want, it is amazing. It's usually better than what you can do on the Mac because absolutely, because it it takes you, what you think about how much Apple script you have to do to be able to get some of these things done that, that a single shortcut action does. 
oh man, there's no question that shortcuts is superior when you have that action. When you don't have that action, though, it's really, you can't build it up yourself. That's the real problem sometimes. And yes, there are, there are, uh, you know, you can write in JavaScript, you can hand things off to JavaScript, or you can hand things off to Python and then get the answers back sometimes. It's not quite as easy as, as it ought to be uh, on, on the on iPad OS, but you can do it. You can, you can work around it and do it. It's just it's that moving from one programming language or one programming paradigm to another and then mixing them together is just better on the Mac. It's easier to do on the Mac, and you can use the tool that best ha- best handles this, the job that you're trying to do. And when you have a job that requires two or three tools, on a Mac, it's easier to put those two or three tools together. So where does the iPad fit for you now? It's f- fundamentally, uh, it's entertainment. Uh, you know, I watched Ted Lasso on my large iPad yesterday, and uh, I We'll be watching the Olympics probably at different times, although we generally have it on the TV right now. We oh, by, oh, that's letting everybody know when this was recorded. <laughs> oh well. Um, so, um, but I I use it primarily for the big one. I use it primarily as sort of a, an outboard uh, device for for re- documentation and other things that are more static. It's reading, reading and viewing is what I is what I use the iPad for. Um, I do. Uh, you were talking about marking up uh, something. I do that as well as, as I go through information on uh, on the iPad. I will. Uh, I can do it in liquid text, and I can highlight things, and then I can extract those highlights uh, in nice ways into into drafts, and then I'll and then I'll have a my summary essentially of that document. And I, I use that a fair amount. I, other things I mark up. Oh, I use it. I use it a tremendous amount, oddly enough, uh, in Google earth for work. I do a lot of jobs where I need to, um, it has to do with buildings and the inspection of, of, uh, high rise buildings. And I have, I have the drawings of the buildings, which is very nice, but sometimes I like to see the building itself and Google Earth has really nice uh, images. They're not exactly photographs, and they're not can't entirely trust them because there's some sort of algorithmic aspect to them. But you get to sort of fly around the building and see it from the outside, at least, and understand a little bit better what the what the drawings are are telling you. Also, sometimes the drawings that I get are incomplete, and so seeing the image fills things in. And then I will take snapshots, uh, screenshots of, uh, you know, the north elevation of the building, and then I'll go and I'll mark it up uh, with the pencil, and so that I can, oh, here's where things change, and one, two, three, four, five, say, oh, okay, so it changes at the eighth floor from this, and there's a setback here. Where's the setback? Drawing says it's on the thirteenth floor. Well, no, it's not. There is no thirteenth floor. It's the four. Okay, fine. Anyway, things like that. It's a way of confirming what I what I see, uh, and comparing the drawings to to the real world, and that works out very nicely. And I mark up photographs all the time that way. This is um, again, uh, this is for my own 
understanding of the building. And so my handwriting, which is not especially sloppy, but it's not exactly typewritten uh, or typeset. Uh, So, you know, it, it doesn't look great, but it works for what I, for what I do. And I now have this marked up drawing that I can refer to when I'm doing the rest of my work. So I use that I, marking up, uh, you know, regular documents, but marking up photographs or in this case, sort of synthetic photographs uh, is a good part of what, what I use the iPad for. And I do that. I can't say I can't say I do it daily, but I definitely do it every, uh, a couple times a week. So your iPad making any trips to Florida lately? It has not. I don't I do a lot of work in, for people in Florida and a lot of the buildings I look at are in Florida, but I don't go there. That's one of the reasons why um, it's nice for me to have Google Earth is because uh, my clients don't want to send me down to Florida to look at these things. They just want me to work out certain aspects of the inspection from sitting on my butt here in the Chicago area. This episode of Mac Power Users is made possible by SaneBox. SaneBox learns what email is important to you and filters out what isn't, saving you hours each week. It works with all kinds of email programs and services. You don't have to use a special app. You're not locked into a special set of settings. You just get great email filtering. They have a lot of features like Sane Later, which keeps your inbox clean with what only really matters. And my favorite, the Sane Black Hole, where you can unsubscribe with just a single click. You can snooze emails. You can set reminders if people don't reply to you. You get a little notification saying, hey, David didn't email you back. Get on that. And it's more than filtering. You can move attachments to Dropbox and other cloud services. There are various pricing plans starting as low as about $4 a month with a 14-day free trial. So go to samebox.com MPU and you'll receive a $25 credit on any plan. I really can't imagine my email without SaneBox. My guess is you're going to feel the same way once you try it. In fact, two-thirds of MPU listeners who have tried SaneBox end up subscribing. So that's SaneBox.com slash MPU to receive a $25 credit on any plan and get the tools to keep your email under control. Our thanks to SaneBox for their support of Mac Power users. SaneBox.com slash MPU. So, so we've talked some about the uh, the automation and how you have gone back to that on the Mac, and we mentioned Keyboard Maestro. But what are some uh, some other tools that you're using on macOS? Well, I'm very I'm I'm very basic in this sort of. Th- I, I use Apple Script actually quite a lot, and part of that has to do with what I like to automate, and the things that I like to automate are um, mail calendar reminders and and bb edit all of which have pretty decent apple script libraries and so because i use those apps i have to i have to you know dip into apple script even though that's not my favorite programming language far from it but i do dip into it and i write apple scripts uh, and then sometimes i will call the apple script from within a python script just because the python I like Python for other reasons and it's doing other things that it's better at. Uh, but you know, if I'm, if I'm automating something like adding a link to a blog post, let's say, and I'm writing, I'm writing the blog post in Markdown, you might say, well, that's really easy, isn't it? You just, uh, 
you take what's on the, you put things in brackets, then you move over, you put a couple of parentheses, and then you slip the link in, uh, slip the URL in there. And isn't that usually on the clipboard? Well, no, I don't like doing that way because I don't like cluttering up my clipboard with the URL. Uh, I have an Apple script that goes to uh, Safari, figures out what's what the URL of the front document is, comes back to BB Edit, selects whatever's there. Oh, and by the way, I don't like using inline links in Markdown. I like using reference links. So it drops down to the bottom of the screen, down to the bottom of the document, puts the, the reference in, puts the link in the URL, jumps back up to where I was, puts all the brackets in, and then leaves the, uh, leaves the cursor after the bracketed uh, reference. And all of that is because BBEdit has this wonderful AppleScript library that allows you to jump all over uh, all over your document and move the cursor around and pick things up and search for things. And it's, it's marvelous for that. It's really uh, uh, TextMate, which I used for many years was also very good at that. It had maybe a few more limitations, but it was, it was very much more in tune with a Unix world. BB edit has both the Unix hooks and the sort of Apple hooks with, with the Apple script library that make it really good for doing that. And then similarly, uh, and I was listening this morning on a walk, I was listening to uh, David and Rose talk about automating calendars. And David was talking about uh, uh, making reminders for himself in calendar, uh, calendar events to follow up on invoices and things like that. Well, I have a series of automations for that. I use reminders as my, as my tool for that, but it's a similar thing where, uh, you know, every Tuesday I get notifications telling me that my reminders have come due for certain invoices that have not yet been paid and it's time for me. And not only do I get the reminder that I have to follow up, it's also written an email. It's written up the follow-up email already and included the invoice as a PDF attachment to that uh, to that email. It's written it. They're all sitting there in drafts. That's all done before I wake up in the morning. And then, uh, later in the day, I get a reminder. Uh, one of the reminders comes due and it tells me, Oh, you're supposed to send that out. And I open up the, the mail. There it is as a draft. Uh, if I need to strengthen the language about, about how late the person is in paying, <laughs> I do that then. Uh, and, uh, or if I have some other questions about it, um, I do that then and then I send it off. And that has, that has served me well now for several years. And I've tweaked that automation a, a bit, but it's something that it has to take place on a Mac. Even when I was using the iPad all the time or quite often, all of that, all of that stuff was going on on my Mac. Uh, the nice thing was that because I created these, um, well, because I did it in in uh, in reminders, the reminder notification would show up on my iPad and on my phone, reminding me I need to follow up on these invoices. And the draft email would be sitting there waiting for me, no matter what device I was on. Yeah. And that was one of the great things about the whole iCloud connection and keeping yourself within the walled garden of of Apple is that if you use it right, you can move from device to device very smoothly and still get your work done. 
It's one of the interesting things for me with this announcement of shortcuts for the Mac that there are areas that are going to get better. Like you mentioned calendaring and I have done, I've gone through the pain of learning the Apple script calendaring dictionary, which is not mm-hmm. easy. I mean, there's like, there's areas of that thing where you get one capitalization wrong and your whole script, you know, crashes and burns. Yep. And the, um, and now with shortcuts, like shortcuts, anybody who's tried to calendar shortcuts on their iPhone knows how easy it is. You drop a Lego block, you put the details in, you push the button. Um, have you thought about shortcuts for the Mac? And, and now that you have all this shortcuts experience, how is that going to change your automation game on the Mac when all this comes out? Well, I, I assume that at some point I will start to transition to shortcuts. And Apple, I think is generally going to be making that transition easy because we have all the tools in shortcuts uh, for the Mac to be able to run AppleScript and to be able to run uh, shell scripts, Python, Perl, whatever, Ruby, all these other traditional Unix-type scripts from within shortcuts. And so that will give us sort of the that's like the safety valve when shortcuts actions don't quite do things don't quite do enough and you just need that one little extra thing and then you can have a a very nice running shortcut well that nice little thing might be something that you can do in apple script or in python or in Perl or whatever and i i think that's going to be great Uh, i think it's going to take a while for me to do things because right now my 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 automations are generally working correctly. Yeah. But I do think that as I make new ones, I will be going the shortcuts route instead of trying to start in Automator or start in Python or AppleScript. And the nice thing is you'll be able to drop all that scripting stuff into shortcuts. So it really isn't like giving them up. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, th- I think, you know, depending on how things work, I, I think I will end up using shortcuts as sort of my framework and I will draw in whatever tools are necessary. And if it's a native shortcut action, well, all the better because then it's, it's easy to do. And, and, uh, but, but if it's doesn't quite do what I want, well, I'll, I'll program it myself and, and stick it in as a, you know, run shell script kind of, kind of action. What I like the most about shortcuts coming to the Mac because I don't, generally speaking, I don't like, I, I don't find shortcuts to be a tremendously fun programming environment. I really prefer typing my, sure. my code out. I don't like dragging and dropping, but that's, you know, that's just because that's what I'm used to. But the best thing about shortcuts coming to the Mac is that it shows that Apple is some, is interested in the Mac, uh, just as the M1 shows that it's interested in the Mac and, and some other things that that are happening, but it, and that it's interested in automation on the Mac, and that it realizes, I think, maybe it won't admit this to itself, that it missed the ball on Automator, that it that it could have made Automator could have been shortcuts. Yes, automate. You know, Automator is shortcuts. It, at least <laughs> I was going to say that, its, but I didn't. Yeah, in its user <laughs> interface. Yeah. except that they didn't give us enough actions. Yeah. And how many times, I mean, I use Automator. I still use it because it has that one, you know, the quick action 
uh, yeah. thing is just fantastic. If you're in, if I'm in Finder and I have, I, I can, you know, right click on a file and down in the quick action sub menu is the thing I want to do with that file because I've created an automation for that, uh, an automator quick action for it. But most of my, well, damn near all of my automator quick actions are simply one step actions and it's, you know, run shell script or run Apple script. I don't build up automator actions uh, through its own native stuff because they don't have the power. And I've kind of, I just, maybe they have more power than I think, but I just got, I got so frustrated trying to make automations uh, uh, through Automator that I've kind of given up on it. And so I, my natural tendency now is to write a, a shell script or an Apple script and then just run it through uh, or turn it into a quick action via Automator. Well, I mean, we just had Sal on the show a week or a month or two ago. And honestly, shortcuts is, is Automator if they had given Automator more runway. Hmm. You know, I yeah. mean, that, yeah. and it's like, Part of me is like, how can Sal stomach this? You know, he came up with this great idea and he just never got the freedom to build it. And now they built it. And I actually asked him about it. And his response just tells you what a great guy he is. He's like, hey, I'm just glad it, it exists now, you know? And he is so, he's such a cheerleader of those guys. He is so supportive of them. And that's he is one a of the much reasons better why we person should all, than me. Yeah. Uh, because, because, oh, I would be complaining about yeah. this. I, oh, I would be writing blog post after blog post about how, you know, well, we had all these ideas before and what the hell, you know, we're, we're 10 years behind because Apple sat on its butt instead of doing this and, you know, more power to the guys who came in from, from workflow, but geez, Apple had all this stuff ready to go. Mm-hmm. We didn't need that. Uh, I would same, it's well, the same way I often feel when I'm listening to Connected, uh-oh. and I think that Stephen is a much nicer person than I would ever be <laughs> now that Mike Hurley has suddenly gone all in on the Mac after years of telling Stephen what an old fuddy-duddy he was for, for working on the Mac. I, man, I, I would not stand it. I would go off on him <laughs> <laughs> if I were you. Got to be the, the, the bigger man sometimes. <laughs> Yeah, I'm I'm a small person. I I, I, I can't help it. I can't help it. Uh, one thing I, I spot in our show notes is uh, a little line that says "Launch Bar and Alfred." This is something that Dave and I have talked a lot about. I'm a big Alfred user and fan. A lot of our listeners uh, are split between Launch Bar and Alfred. So, what, what's going on there? Well, um, of course, this all goes back to Quicksilver, and it all if, if does. It's the grandfather. <laughs> oh boy. Although I think Launchbar was around before Quicksilver, but I, I didn't know about it until I realized that Quicksilver was dying and I needed to move to something else. Um, and so I, I, I landed on Launchbar. And Launchbar is what I used for quite a long time. There was a period, um, maybe two years ago, a year ago, two years ago, something like that, where I said, well, I'm going to give Alfred a fair shot. And so I used it for a few months and said, eh, I, I don't know. I, I mean, it's got, it's got these nice features, but my fingers seem to still always want to go back to the launch bar way of doing things. Somehow though, recently launch bars, great intelligence has stopped working for me. And what I 
what I found was that I would type things in and expecting to bring expecting it to find a document or a folder that I know darn well I was recently using and it just wouldn't find it. And I don't know why it was too far down in the list of options. You know, as, as you start typing and it, you know, oh, you, you mean this, you mean that? No, no, it's, it's down here. You should know better than that. And so I went back to Alfred because I, you know, I bought it um, during that three month test. And I found that the things that I didn't like about Alfred, uh, certain keyboard things that were it's just a matter of taste, really, uh, I was better able to accept because Alfred was finding things. Alfred's intelligence was, was working out better for me. And so I stuck with that. And I do, I've made a couple of, um, are they called workflows in Alfred? Yes. Whatever. Yeah. I've, I've made one or one or two that I use, um, for within contacts to help me, oh, pull out somebody's address in a particular format. So, you know, I, I use, I type in, I start typing in the person's name. I get returned to bring them up within Alfred. They're, uh, I think by default, the email address is chosen. And then I have a little thing that I think if it's must be command return. Yeah, command return. If I click that or type that rather, um, it uh, it will give me the address of the, the, you know, the physical address of that person in a particular format, in LaTeX format, so that I can paste it into uh, a, a, like a proposal or a report or something like that. So I'm, I'm now an Alfred person after years of thinking, why would I use Alfred when I have launch bar and it's working perfectly well for me? Well, it stopped working perfectly well for me. I don't know why. I don't know why it got confused because for years it was, it was, uh, just exceptionally good at anticipating what I was looking for. And for whatever reason it stopped and I wasn't, I'm not sure why, but Alfred seems to be doing a good job of that now. And I think um, Alfred has always been better at uh, doing this workflow type stuff. I mean, you can do that kind of thing in in LaunchBar, but I think it's harder to do. And I, I never did it. You know, as a, as a person who usually likes to try out automator things, I never really got into doing that within LaunchBar. I've already done it, uh, you know, in the last couple months, a, a couple times here since switching to Alfred. So I am now in the Alfred camp, but I, you know, if LaunchBar had, had, were still as intelligent as it used to be for me, I would never have switched because it was, I, I find it really nice. It was, I, I liked it. One of the, I think the thing that for whatever reason, when I would be searching on a folder and then need to get into a subfolder. So I type in the name of a folder, but then I want to go into a subfolder. Alfred's way of uh, launch bars rather rather his way of doing that was to hit the space bar, and Alfred's way is to hit the right arrow key, and it's it's little things like that. I still prefer the space bar, but I, I Alfred doesn't allow you to do that uh, because it it doesn't. Oh, that's the other thing. That's the other big difference between the two is that launch bar times you out, right? If you're typing away. On something, you have to type it in with uh, whatever your search term is within a certain period of time, or it just times you out. Yeah. 
And sometimes that's sometimes that's nice because if you have screwed something up, you just take your hands off the keyboard and wait for it to clear, and then you start over again. Whereas in Alfred, of course, you'd have to you have to backspace, backspace, backspace. On the other hand, when it's a uh, a longer thing that you have to type, possibly multiple words, the fact that Alfred gives you time <laughs> to, to type that in it is nice. So uh, it's diff- different different styles. Uh, I'm I'm coming to appreciate Alfred's way of doing that. It, you shouldn't feel like you're diffusing a bomb when you're typing in a, a string. <laughs> but well, yeah, you know, I, and it might also have to do with my, with aging. Uh, when I was younger, I I knew what I was going to type, and my fingers worked <laughs> right away to type it in without <laughs> as many mistakes as I make now. So um, maybe that's Alfred is for older people. Maybe that's, <laughs> okay. that's, that's the approach. <laughs> well. Oh, wow. But, but launch bar, you, you can change that timer. So you can give yourself more time. I think you can, you can. turn it off if you want, but the, uh, you, you yeah. can, when I start up, uh, a, a program for the first time, when I download a program or whatever, and I start using it, it's those defaults that the people put in that really tell you how they think, how the developer thinks you should be using the device or using, using the software. And if that's really far away from how you like to work, you should probably think about not using that software, even though it may have all sorts of, uh, of options that you can change. Sure. My rule of thumb is if I open this thing up and it just looks like a mess to me or, or a thing, I don't care how many options I have to change its behavior. I don't want to fight that. And I usually just stop working on it. And, you know, obviously there are situations where you absolutely, you know, this piece of software does something that nothing else does. Well, then you grin and bear it. This episode of the Mac Power Users is brought to you by Squarespace. Make your next move with Squarespace and enter offer code MPU at checkout to get 10% off your first purchase. Squarespace is the all-in-one platform to build your online presence and run your business. From websites and online stores to marketing tools and analytics, they've got you covered. Squarespace combines cutting-edge designs and world-class engineering, making it easier than ever to establish your home online and make your ideas a reality. Squarespace has everything you need to create a beautiful and modern website. You start with a professionally designed template and use drag-and-drop tools to make it your own. You can customize the look and feel and settings, the products you have on sale, and more with just a few clicks. And all Squarespace websites are optimized for mobile. Your content automatically adjusts so it will look great on any device. You'll also get free unlimited hosting, top-of-the-line security, and dependable resources to help you succeed. There's nothing to patch or upgrade. They have award-winning 24-7 customer support if you need any help. They'll even let you quickly and easily grab a unique domain name. Plus, you'll have everything you need for SEO and email marketing to get your ideas out there. You can use Squarespace to turn your big idea into a new website, showcase your work with their incredible portfolio designs, publish your next blog post, promote your business, announce an upcoming event, and much more. I'm a Squarespace user, and the interesting thing for me is I use it for some of the most important things in my life, like Max Sparky and my legal website. But I also use it for fun things like the uh, YouTube channel my wife and I started uh, for Disneyland vlogging. And so whether you're doing something just fun and informal or doing something that actually pays for your shoes, 
you can trust Squarespace to give you an easy, affordable solution. So head over to squarespace.com MPU for a free trial with no credit card required. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code MPU to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com MPU. And when you decide to sign up, use the offer code MPU to get 10% off your first purchase and to show your support for the Mac Power users. Our thanks to Squarespace for their support of the Mac Power users and all of Relay FM. All right. So uh, when we were talking before the show, during you told me that you have had your own personal journey with personal knowledge management. And if you know anything about me in the last six months, that is not a statement that I can let just go by. Yeah. What's going on? What are you up to? Well, you know, so I, I have had this, you know, in the back of my head for ages and ages. I, I've, for a while, uh, I had a wiki running on my computer. I think it was in sticky and I was using that, especially at work to keep track of all of our, our equipment and standards that we had and things like that. It worked out pretty well. And I have played around over the years with, uh, personal wikis like, uh, voodoo pad and, uh, no Jimbo. Is that how you pronounce it? Whatever the, the, the thing that comes out of bare bones. And, um, I think, uh, uh, circus ponies notebook was, was one for a while. And that goes all the way back to the, uh, to the next years. Uh, not that I used it on next, but anyway, I, I tried all of these things and they all kind of, they kind of work, but ultimately I never really used them. And of course, in the last couple of years, there's been this explosion of, of these, uh, notion and craft and obsidian and and so on um and and even even devon think to to some extent although it it's not exactly in that category a lot of there's a lot of overlap and i have kind of wanted to shy away from that because i've i had this experience back 10 years ago 5 years ago whatever where i've tried these things out and they didn't really work for me but at some point I was finding myself as I was um, doing a certain amount of work in a certain amount of programming in, uh, in Python using complex libraries like pandas and numpy and scipy where I needed to remember how I did something. I'd solve a problem and I, I wanted to remember how I did it. So I'd want to keep the code um, somewhere that I could refer to, uh, refer back to. And I started using notes for it, which was not bad, actually. It's, you know, it's right there. It, it's easy for me to get to on any Apple device. There's the iCloud advantage. But notes is not the greatest thing in the... Uh, notes is formatting is not the greatest in the world. You, you have to fiddle around with things to get them the way you want. And one thing that I really hate about notes... And it seems petty of me, but I cannot stand that orangey yellow color of links in notes. Now, in Big Sur, that's no longer the case. It uses you know blue, like as God intended links to be. But um, on my on my iDevices, iOS devices, and iPadOS, it's still it's still that orangey color. Um, 
And so I, I can't stand it. So I thought, well, it, notes did a lot, but I thought, well, let me, let me try What else can I do that works across all my devices? Because I want to be able to get at this information no matter what I'm looking at. Remember, even though I'm writing stuff on the on my iMac or, 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 or Air, I'm often referring to things on my iPad. So it needs to be able to work on all the devices. I thought, well, maybe I can just work. Maybe I can just come up with a bunch of pages documents because those are universal. I can I can open pages documents on any device, and I can keep them in iCloud so that they're accessible to all my devices. This would be really nice. And I did that, and I realized I remembered why I hate writing in word processors, um, and pages is. You know, compared to Microsoft Word, Pages is a a nice word processor. It doesn't try to take the control of the cursor away from me and start typing things that I don't want to type nearly as much as Word does. But it still was it was too much fiddling uh, to get things right. Then I thought, and this lasted about two hours. I thought, well, I'll make them in. Uh, I'll, I'll I'll create PDFs in LaTeX because I know how to write in LaTeX. And that's plain text, and uh, I'll just create PDFs that way. And that just stunk. That was awful. It, it, <laughs> it was it was terrible because the links didn't work well. It was a pain. It was just an absolute pain. I no. I, feel, I feel like a PKM system and a word processor is like getting a root canal for the hell of it. You know, I mean, well, I'm not sure know, that that ever had so any hope. Recognize though that what I what I was going to do uh, was. Um, I was going to I was going to have a page for pandas. All my pandas notes were going to be on one pages document. And if I'm working in pandas, pandas is a is a data analysis uh, library for Python. And so if I'm working in pandas, I know I'm working in pandas and I know darn well that I what I need so I can open up the pandas document and and search through it. So it wasn't going to be terrible. I'm not my idea here was uh, of what I needed was not something that needed tremendous amounts of backlinks. I wasn't trying to keep a calendar on it. I wasn't going to be trying to do journaling on it. Uh, yeah. It was it was going to have some links to the outer world, like to documentation, but it wasn't going to have a lot of internal links. And so, it, just for a moment, when you said that, though, I had a picture of you with a, a photo album with a bunch of pictures of panda bears in it. Honestly, <laughs> just for a moment. Yeah, <laughs> sorry. Um, so yeah, pandas is a library for doing data analysis in Python, and it makes it work like sort of like uh, the R uh, language. And they are cute bears. Let's just be clear. They are they are cute bears. They're not actually bears, but you know. Okay. There you go. I stand corrected by the doctor. <laughs> so um, so then I tried Obsidian. And uh, because, you know, all the cool kids are using Obsidian. The coolest and kids. I'm, and I'm a, I'm a cool kid, so why not? I, why shouldn't I use Obsidian? And I tried it. And, you know, here's, here's where my, my rule of thumb showed up. I opened up Obsidian and I said, Ick, oh, it's light text on a black background. Well, I got to change that right away. And then, and then I changed to another theme. And then well, I don't really like the way the colors are here. How can I change that? Well, okay, I'll, I'll, they've got a bunch of themes. Well, this one's pretty good. It's not exactly what I like, but it's kind of okay. 
uh, I could probably change the theme. I could probably reprogram, you know, change a few things in the theme and it'll work. And then I looked at what the theme looked like and I saw what was, you know, essentially like CSS in the theme. And I thought, oh my gosh, they, they, uh, I have to understand how Obsidian thinks a document is structured before I can do any of this because they've got, you know, wheels within wheels within wheels in their, in their style, uh, language. I, I will absolutely agree with you. I generally, I am a person who chooses delight over utility when it comes to apps. I want things that are fun to work in and that are easy and pretty. And obsidian is the big exception in my life because it's usually pretty fun, but it's not usually very pretty. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Just the power of it is what keeps me there. But yeah, I get that. Now we had talked on the phone about getting you to try craft because there's a lot of listeners of this show that are huge proponents of craft because craft swings the other way. It gives you that delight. Um, have you tried it? I, I looked at it and I, and I saw, Oh, it, I think it's like notion in that it, you, your structure is based on blocks and you yeah. get this many blocks and this, and I just said, no, that that's not how I think. I don't care. Now, of course, if you just buy the unlimited blocks package, wh- whatever, you don't have to think anymore. But I really did like the, you know, the thing that Obsidian, the siren call of, of Obsidian, of course, is that it's just a folder full of markdown documents. Amen, and brother. Gosh, Amen. Isn't, that, isn't that wonderful? Isn't that what I would like? And it is what I would like. But I don't want to see it through Obsidian. I don't. Um, and so ultimately... I made my own. Um, oh boy! Thing. So, 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 what? But hear me out, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen okay. of the jury. I, I, um, the biggest problem with this at first, it's it's just a it's just some static web pages. The the script that creates the static web pages from the HTML pages from the Markdown pages is no more than twenty or thirty lines because it just calls a markdown processor and says go to it and just make another make another file that has the same name as this one except it's got html at the end of it instead of as the extension instead of md so that that's actually pretty straightforward um my folder has subfolders in it but only one level deep i'm never going to go any farther than that so i have you know, one for Python, I have one for Pandas, I have one for Matplotlib, I have one for LaTeX, I have, I forget, there's there's another one somewhere in there. And so they're simple markdown files. I have, I have all of this um, history and uh, helper scripts, macros, for helping me write markdown documents because that's how I've been blogging for 15 plus years. So it's very easy for me to write them. I needed only a couple of little scripts to create the files, create the HTML files. The CSS, I stole from my blog and changed a couple things. So there's a lot of cruft in there that, that this, uh, you know, sort of quasi wiki uses, uh, or that doesn't use, but it's in, it's still in the CSS file. Well, it doesn't, that doesn't hurt anything to have, uh, uh, stuff in the CSS that you never use. And then the only, the only other thing is uh, rsync to upload them to upload all the HTML files to a server. And I wouldn't need that if Safari on iOS and iPad OS 
allowed you to open local documents, but unfortunately it does not. So I have to have it on a server somewhere. Um, but I, I write a new page or I alter a page and I hit a keyboard maestro uh, combination and zing, it up, updates everything. And now that piece of hint that I, I'm calling all these hints, all of this stuff is available to me on all my devices. And it looks kind of the way I expect things to look because it's my CSS that I've developed for the blog over ages and ages. It has uh, you know a different color scheme, but other than that, it looks very much the same, simpler. And it's working really well. Now, will I stick with it? I have no idea. Um, I have started these things in the past and have not stuck with them. I have tried to make this as easy as I can and as pleasant to look at as I can for my eye so that I will stick with it. And that was one of the reasons why, you know, notes, pages, obsidian, uh, other voodoo pad, uh, all, all of these things have their uses. They're all, they're all nice, but because they aren't exactly to my taste, I know I'm not going to keep, I, I wouldn't keep using them. And so this, I'm, I'm hoping because it is more to my taste, I will keep using it. Yeah. I, we'll I could have saved you so much time. It, you just had to tell me that you were going to make, that you were going to look into PKM. I could have written you back and said, don't look at any apps, just make your own. Just start there. Cause well, this is the guy I, I happen to know. Just let me just say this for the listeners. <laughs> so, Drang decided that he is he wanted the weather delivered to him in a certain way. And because there are no weather apps on the iPhone at all, he made his own. For years, you were running your own weather app. I mean, come on. You knew you were going to make your own PKM app at the end of the day, right? Well, yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Your oh, Honor. I did know that. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Um, Sorry to unload on you there, but I I totally, as soon as you told me you're doing this, I'm like, there's no way he's going to be happy with anything that he doesn't make. Um, Well, you know, it's ultimately though, it saves me time because I was fiddling around. I was trying to figure out, oh, let me make what what I was doing. But by the way, notes, I, I think I was using notes for over a month. Pages, I think I lasted about a week. Yeah. The PDF, I lasted a couple of hours. Obsidian, I lasted also a few hours. Um, yeah. nah, maybe maybe even the better part of a day. So it, it's not like I wasted a lot of time. I've wasted a heck of a lot more time on other things <laughs> than this. But <laughs> Another but, one that, because you've gone all Mac, though, I think um, would be worthy of checking out would be Tinderbox. I, I, I kind of feel like Tinderbox might be an app because there's yeah, a lot I, you can I, do with that. Tinderbox is always going on sale in these, you know, like summer sales or winter sales yeah. or something like yeah. that. And, I, and I've seen it and I, and I know that they have, but here's the thing that bothers me about Tinderbox and, and it's, I have absolutely no experience with it. So this is a completely ignorant statement that I'm making, but it's, but it's my statement. Um, there, there, there's a book that goes along with it or that you can buy separately, the Tinderbox way. And I feel that I know myself well enough, just as you knew that I was going to write this up myself, uh, yeah. I was going to roll my own. 
I have a feeling that if I start reading the tinderbox whale, I'm going to have disagreements with it. And, and, and ultimately I, I will end up not using tinderbox yeah, because I don't true. agree with that's the tinderbox way. Yeah. But I, I think if you're a Mac focused, that's another, it's another good solution. But they, they, the, the bottom line is there's a lot of great solutions out there. And if you're drawing, you will always make your own. I did try. I did try to use some, you know, I did try to use something off the shelf and, uh, it just, I just felt that to get it, you know, you know, th- again, with obsidian, Federico Vatici is now is using it and, and, uh, you know, has, has, but think about how much effort he has put in to get it, to, to twist it to his desires. Sure. You know, he's, he's hiring John Ford. He's his son to write code for him yeah. and stuff like that. He's doing what I would have done, and I looked at that, and I'm I'm using I'm using Federico as my as as my avatar in this, and I looked and I said, "Oh my God, look at how much he's doing to get this done." I would fall right down that same rabbit hole, except it's going to be me. It's not going to be Finn Voorhees doing the doing the coding. It's going to be me. I I don't want to do that. Can't I just make some simple HTML files? Won't they always work? Yeah, those are all, they'll always work. So I did. And, you know, maybe a hundred lines of code total, I'm done. Yeah, but you do actually do not need to hire a development team to successfully use Obsidian. I can attest to that. <laughs> I, I'm sure you don't, but you have to be willing to accept what Obsidian looks like. And I would not do that. I know I wouldn't do that. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, also, just for our listeners out there who are not going to write their own. Uh, I talk a lot about Obsidian, but I, I wanted to just point out while we're on the topic that I do think Craft and um, and Tinderbox are very good options for this. And uh, if Obsidian doesn't float your boat, you should look into those. We are in a renaissance of these things. You know, yes. like, again, 10, 10, 15 years ago, wikis were, everybody wanted to have a wiki or wikis were great. We've whittled down the wiki population now i th- i think there are only maybe a half dozen wiki wiki uh, engines that are still sort of out there being actively developed and really the big ones are docuwiki and uh, um what's the uh, media wiki I, I don't i don't know that those are certainly the two biggest by the way i did look into that should should i have my own wiki running on a server and i decided no i have to i have to make too many changes to the wiki to get it to work the way i wanted um, See, I, if i had to bet money i would have thought that would be the one that you went for if oh it wasn't God, David, your own. I, I spent i spent a lot of time thinking about that but not yeah. but fortunately n- not well i mean i spent what do i want to say I thought about it for months. I didn't. I didn't spend a lot of time thinking about it. But every every few weeks, I think, should I have a wiki? And then I sort of go to DocuWiki's thing about here's how you set up a DocuWiki, and I'd look at it and say, no, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. It's like learning another programming language, and except that you don't get the benefit of of having a real programming language. All you've learned is DocuWiki or whatever it is. So anyway, it, it's ultimately. I have just a set of HTML files, and I'm happy with that. This episode of Mac Power Users is brought to you by Pingdom from SolarWinds. While you've been listening to the show, how would you know if your website had gone down? If customers couldn't click buy now or fill out a trial form? You might stumble across the problem by luck, but that means you've already lost out on new customers. 
You need something to tell you that everything is running smoothly on your site, and more importantly, when it's not. You need Pingdom. They detect over 13 million outages every month. That's more than 400,000 website outages every day. And as low as $10 a month, Pingdom is the best way to keep your sites online. It doesn't matter if you're a startup or a Fortune 500 company, you need real-time alerts about critical website issues. And customization of how you're alerted, whether it's via SMS, email, or your team's collaboration apps. Pingdom even tracks your website's loading time, analyzes it to see what's affecting the user experience. If you have a website, you need Pingdom. To take charge of monitoring your websites in minutes, go to pingdom.com slash RelayFM right now for a 30-day free trial with no credit card required. And when you sign up, use the code MPU at checkout to get a huge 30% off your first invoice. That's pingdom.com slash RelayFM. Our thanks to Pingdom from SolarWinds for the support of the show and RelayFM. The way we like to close these interviews is to go over some favorite apps and services that maybe uh, didn't make it into uh, the interview. And so you've got a few on here. Uh, I am uh, very interested here in particular about the second one. So can we start with Marvin? Because I have not really looked at this in detail. Um, So Marvin is an EPUB reader uh, for iOS and iPadOS. And I'm talking about it here, and I'm willing to recommend it with some caveats. I don't think it has been updated in quite a while. It is the EPUB reader market on iOS is not great. There aren't a lot of actively developed ones. I've tried, or at least I've downloaded the free versions of several of them. Marvin is the one that sticks uh, with me. And one of the reasons, by the way, the first question I suppose is why aren't you just using books or what used to be called iBooks? And the reason is I had some trouble with iBooks uh, for some reason. I, I, I uh, I don't exactly know what I did to it, but somehow I had either too many things in it or too too much of a weird mixture of things. And I was just having trouble getting things organized, uh, getting my fiction organized in, in iBooks or my, my reading for pleasure, let me put it that way. Uh, and that's what I use Marvin for. This is not for um, my professional reading. This is really just, these are Kindle books and things like that, that I, Kindle books that I have switched from the Kindle format uh, to, to, to uh, EPUB through uh, um, what's it, uh, Caliber, uh, the Caliber app. So, but Marvin is really nice. It's for me, it's easy to organize. I can link things in through Dropbox. I, so it, it'll sync via Dropbox to bring things down to your local device. Uh, you can organize by genre, your own, come up with your own organization scheme for your, for your devices. And you've got really good control over the font, the font size, the margin spacing, the line spacing, all of that sort of stuff. Uh, Also, uh, what actions will flip a page from one to another. It's, I I, I like it a lot. I I have fears that it's going to go away. 
and I'm going to have to try to find something else. And maybe I can, maybe books is okay now and I can move everything into books. Uh, one of the reasons I decided to, uh, to focus on EPUB, the EPUB format instead of the Kindle format is because it's not proprietary and I knew I'd be able to, uh, uh, read it in, in any, on any device. I, it, once I got them converted to EPUBs, uh, some things I suspect, uh, would look better in the Kindle app. Some of these books would look better in the Kindle app than they do, uh, in Marvin, but they look to my eye, they look fine. And the occasional mistake I see, I think is actually not because of Marvin. I think it's because of the, uh, uh, the digitization of the original book. So I think certain typos would, would have been there in, in Kindle anyway. So I like it. It's, um, it's nice. It's cheap. I just, I hope it continues to work. I have the feeling it, it feels a little bit like transmit for me, uh, where, you know, you kind of knew that it was on its way out because there wasn't any going to be any development on it. Um, Marvin doesn't get any development love, but it keeps working. And so I'm going to keep, I'm going to keep reading books on it through, uh, through it as long as it still works. And if it ever goes belly up, I have a folder on Dropbox full of EPUBs. So like if Obsidian craps out on David, he will have the folder full of Markdown files that will always be able to, he'll always be able to convert into something else. I feel the same way with Marvin and my and my EPUB collection. Yeah, I I really feel like there is kind of a shame um, for us iPad users that you know these really good iPad apps don't seem to be able to make it go on iPad, and I guess just not enough people are looking at the iPad as a device to do work on, so they're not buying these apps, but. it, you know, there's a contrast there where apps of good power are able to survive for decades on the Mac. And that just doesn't seem to be happening on the iPad. I don't know what we can do as like enthusiasts to help fix that, but there's a real problem here. Yeah. Well, part of it, of course, is that, you know, Marvin costs three bucks or whatever it costs. I don't know. Uh, and, a similar program on the Mac would cost twenty nine ninety nine, mm-hmm. yeah. and you know that's it. it ta- <laughs> you know it takes it takes ten three ninety nine apps to to or two ninety nine apps to make up for a twenty nine ninety nine app. So you know it, it, that's that's a problem, and I don't know it, the race to the bottom in price on the iPad and and the iOS in general. It, I there's nothing to be done about it. It's already too late. Apple giving away all its software uh, uh, certainly has been one issue. Uh, And, you know, here, here again, here's a situation where there's already a free version of uh, an EPUB reader that Apple provides. It's a tough market. On the other hand, boy, there are a lot of EPUB. If you start looking for EPUB readers in the, uh, in the app store, You'll see a lot of them. By the way, you'll probably see more than one called Marvin. They're all made by the same developer. I think Marvin 3 is the one that I am using, and and it's the one that uh, seems to be the most recent, even though it's still a a little long in the tooth. What else you got for us? Well, so uh, Launch Control, 
not launch bar, launch control, is a lovely little application, utility application that I don't use very often, uh, but when I use it, it is wonderful. So launch control is an app for controlling scheduled tasks on your Mac. And so these are things that are run, these are called launch agents, uh, typically. Uh, what's the other word for it, Stephen? I can't... Uh, demons? D- yeah, they're, they're demons, but there are... Um, it's something else with launch. Anyway, whatever. Um, th- these are things typically that run a pr- at a particular time of day, or they run every Tuesday, or they run the fifth Wednesday of every month. You don't usually have a fifth Wednesday in a month. But those sorts of things. You you schedule tasks to happen periodically, and they run on your Mac without your control. So in the Unix world, these are called cron jobs. In, in the Mac world, they're called launch D jobs or launch agents. And you have to create a, an XML type file to set these things up. And then there's a command line program called launch control, slightly different spelling without any vowels in it. Um, that has a terrible interface that Apple has changed over the years and has said that the old way is deprecated, but their new way has crappy documentation. It's impossible to understand. Launch control takes care of all that stuff for you. So if you have a script, a shell script or an Apple script or whatever it is that you want run uh, at 2 a.m. every Friday, you have the script, you debug it, you then tell launch control, hey, I want to set up a system where this runs at 2 a.m. every Friday. And it's very easy. It's a it's a very simple, it's very much a shortcutsy kind of interface. And you just say, okay, here's what I want to do. It's scheduled. Here's where it here's the the here's the script. You you get to choose it from a from an open dialog box. And here's when I want to here's when I want to run it. And Say okay, install that, and it installs it into the uh, LaunchD system, and then it's and it runs every Friday at two a.m. And I have lots of things that do this. Uh, I don't change them very often, but I I have things like the uh, the reminder system that um, makes up the uh, emails asking clients to pay up. That is run. Uh, through a script that is controlled by launch control that it runs every Tuesday morning so that I send my emails out on Tuesday afternoon. Hey, hey deadbeat, your Apple, my Apple script says you owe me money. Is that <laughs> that's how it exactly what it says. That's exactly right. Um, that's usually, that's my modified one. Uh, as I get more angry uh, when they don't, when they don't pay. Yeah. So launch control, you know, it does not do anything that you can't do by hand, but it is relatively inexpensive and it, it takes away all of the annoyance of creating an XML file um, and, and doing all this stuff. It just, it just does it. It's beautiful. If you want, it also will teach you how, how the XML file looks because you can, you can view what the XML file that it creates looks like and use, Oh, that's how, that's how it works. Um, so it's kind of a teaching tool too, if you want to use it that way. The thing about these launch agents is that they're not terribly hard to, to figure out on your own, 
but you you don't do them very often. You're not making these things every day. And so having a tool that remembers all the stuff and, and builds it up for you is perhaps even more useful on something like this, where you only make, you know, every couple of months you might be, oh, I want to do this. And now I want to schedule this task now uh, for every uh, fifth day or something like that. You know, you've forgotten all of all those tricks and then, yeah. you know, here you come back to it. So it's, it's very nice for that and, and relatively inexpensive. And I, um, Soma is the name of the company uh, that makes it. And it's a very nice little, nice little product. Another one on your list is one of my one of my go-to utilities that I'm pretty sure we have never mentioned in 599 episodes of Mac Power Users, and that's Image Optim. Could you explain that? Yeah, I, I use it primarily for uh, reducing the size of ping screenshots. So I, I take my screenshots, and this is usually for, for when I'm writing a blog post, my blog post often have screenshots in them. And uh, because I am a good internet citizen, I like to make the, the PNG file as small as possible. And Image Optim does that. And it's a very nice little uh, program that kind of you can um, drop your ping files onto it and it will crunch through them and make them smaller. And you can... You can uh, give some options to it as to how crushed you want it to be. Uh, basically, if you want it smaller, it takes more time. You can also do multi-passes on it if you like. And you you get to see how much smaller it is than the original a PNG file that came from your screenshot. And it's just dead simple. Um, yeah, drag and drop. Just, there, you drag it on there and there it is. And so now the thing, wherever it was that you were you were dragging it from, usually in my case from the desktop, the the file on the desktop is now 40% smaller than it was before. And that's what I upload to the server uh, to uh, to save on bandwidth. And these are these are lossless changes too. Yeah, they look the same. Uh, if you put anything on the internet, if you do a newsletter, I think this app was free. I don't remember paying for it. Um, this is an this is a no brainer. I think that's right because the technology underneath it uh, is a bunch of command line programs that were also open source. So I think the developer of Image Optim has has basically uh, put a nice uh, nice wrapper around all of those uh, and given it away because this, the fundamentals are also free to use. I've tried using some of these from the command line, and I'm a, I'm a big command line user. I don't really like using them from the command line. Image Optim is better. Yeah, don't even like mess with that stuff. Just get Image Optim. It's so much easier. Drag and drop. That's it. Yep. Dr. Drang. So great having you back on the show today. I can't wait to hear about all the money you're going to spend in the next year between your new iPhone, your new, you know, 30 inch or whatever iMac. In fact, I know because you told me that if the iMac gets any bigger than 27 inch, you not only have to buy an iMac, you have to buy new furniture. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> I yes, I do. Yes, I do. I, I'm not sure if you're going to go buy new furniture or ultimately you're going to make your own, but you know, we'll see. No, that's your job. I don't, I don't make furniture that that's, you do that. <laughs> um, I've got like an eighth of an inch on either side of, of my 27 inch iMac. 
that fit, fits within the, the hutch that I'm using right now. I, I've got no space. It's it's going to be bad when when the bigger iMac comes out. Steven, is the new iMac going to be bigger? Definitely. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> so you're yeah. in trouble. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> well, either way, uh, and it's really great hearing your story of coming back to the Mac with the stuff you're doing. Um, I know you're busy. You don't. You, you haven't been posting as much, but the stuff you put up there is gold all the time. I just posted a blog post earlier today before we recorded linking to you where I wanted to write a Amazon affiliate script for a text expander Apple script. And of course I went looking on the internet and you had already started it. I just modified yours a little bit and was able to get it working. And that's the kind of oh, stuff good. you bring to all of us. And, and we all really appreciate it. So, well, that's um, what it's for is for yeah. people to take and, and fix them to, to make it fit your own, the way you like to work. Exactly. And uh, we appreciate you coming on today. Thank you for having me. It was fun. I'd like to tell you about another show here on Relay FM, and that is Pictorial. It's hosted by Quinn Rose and Betty Chen, and they talk about the most interesting parts of art history. Now, neither of them went to art school, but the way they break down stories about art is really pretty cool. It gets that elitism right out of the picture. They share what they're learning about art every other Tuesday. Quinn is a podcast producer who is passionate about recognizing the artsy of both low and high art. And Betty is a building design manager who spent years guiding the art gallery of Ontario. So if you're interested in learning more about art with them, check out episode 26 on flag design in North America. Very fascinating topic. Or maybe episode 15 about the most famous stolen artifacts in the British Museum. You can learn more at relay.fm slash pictorial or search for pictorial wherever you get your podcast. I want to thank our sponsors today, and that's our friends over at Smile, Sandbox, Squarespace, and Pingdom. We are the Mac Power Users. You can find us at relay.fm slash MPU. You can find the forums at talk.macpowerusers.com. In fact, I see Dr. Drang in there on occasion, so you might see him there. Leancrew.com is the website uh, for Dr. Drang. Anywhere else we should tell people to go, doctor? I'm at D-R-D-R-A-N-G on Twitter. Um, All right. Otherwise, Leancrew is the place to go. On more power users today, we're going to be talking about Drang's first Mac. We have a picture. We have a. Are we going to be allowed to use that picture in the notes, Drang, Doctor Drang? Oh, absolutely. Ah, so with no, more than a snowman, we have a picture of the back of Doctor Drang's head. If you're if you're a more power user subscriber, that's going to be in your show notes. So check that out. And uh, what an enticement! Yes, yes. <laughs> I mean, you're you're the mystery man of the macosphere. We got to know more. Uh, but either way, uh, thanks for listening, regardless, and we'll see you next week. <laughs>